with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, five and we're going to work a, hopefully a couple of more verses, maybe four, I don't know, we'll see how far it goes. <laughs> but uh, we are uh, working down through the last part of uh, 1 Thessalonians, getting ready. I think Brother Chris is going to jump into 2 Thessalonians shortly, and hopefully a couple more weeks and we'll get out of these. But uh, today... We're going to be looking at, um, last week we were looking at uh, Paul's commands concerning God and, and the relationship there, and, and today we're going to be looking at uh, concerning God's word, and we'll start out with uh, verse 19, and verse 19 says, quench not the spirit, despise not prophesying. Prove all things, hold fast that which is good. Abstain from all appearances of evil. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you that we can look into your word and understand uh, that relationship that we have with you and how you guide and direct us through the word. But Father, you also use the Holy Spirit in our lives to guide us, to bring us back into uh, the right focus uh, when we need to uh, to be corrected. And Father, I do thank you that we have these examples, Father, we can apply them to our lives today, realizing that many things that it's talking about here, uh, some of the gifts that we'll be looking at or discussing have ceased because of your word being complete. But Father, we know that there was a purpose for them during the early church and the importance of that in developing your word. And Father, I thank you for the blessing of your word. I thank you that we can trust it completely, knowing it's that our final authority. And we ask this all in Jesus' precious name. Amen. And like we mentioned, this, this segment <clears throat> is concerning God's word. <clears throat> and the apostle Paul starts us out with quench not the spirit. And as I was going through here, I said, well, Maybe we can do a little uh, uh, equating here because other places Paul talks about grieving the spirit. And there's a, I didn't really think there was a whole lot of difference, but there is a bit of a difference when you think about the application and why it was needed. <clears throat> but we're looking at, at, at our relationship here and respecting God's word. And as Christians, the more we grow, we understand that the scriptures are our final authority in all of our matters of, of faith and practice. We've mentioned that several times. And when somebody comes up and tells us that, we should just say, no, it's the final authority. Your opinion does not count. My opinion does not count. Although we have you know, wonderful men that have gone into the word that have, that have helped expound in many areas to help clarify things. But when we balance scripture with scripture as as done regularly here that we understand that the Bible is its own dictionary the Bible is its own commentary it's its own lexicon and you know the the other tools are nice helps but nothing can replace the Word of God and we have it the the perfect preserved word in the King James and we realize that for the English speaking people and and it's important and the thing that we have to keep in mind is during this time, the New Testament was being written and developed. I mean, the Apostle Paul, he had uh, the Old Testament writings, and as we've learned through there that uh, the Jewish scribes, 
made sure that every word was perfect each time when they when they copied it and they otherwise they never used it and they they had specific methods for making sure that this copy or, or the original manuscripts as it was brought to the copies on down the way you they were letter perfect and uh, you know Christ talked about the jot and tittle I mean the even the little marks that are in there were in in a the perfect spot where it's supposed to be so it was preserved you know it just wasn't well you know the the bible is inerrant in in the original manuscripts well show me the original manuscripts there aren't any around i mean the the oldest manuscripts they have are i don't know how many generations of copies down from the originals you know and, it, and it's sad to think that god would provide a perfect set of originals only for those people back there to have them and not preserve it for us? Well, he made sure that it was preserved through it. And, and, and we, there are studies that you, you can go down through and show how and why it was done and, and the methods used. And, but here, the Apostle Paul, they had the Old Testaments that they used as reference. And then they had the Holy Spirit guiding and directing the the apostles and the leaders of these churches in giving the, the correct word from God. And, and oftentimes it was in prophesying. And here he's talking about, you know, quench not the spirit. And it's, it's very important that the spirit, you know, when we got saved, we got the package deal. When the, the apostles and the disciples got saved, they got part of it and had to wait for the Holy Spirit to come along. You know, we're fortunate. We got the whole thing at once. We didn't have to wait around. Although there are some churches that'll teach you, well, you know, if you get saved and then you get baptized and then you got to wait for the Holy Spirit. No. We got saved. We got everything. We got all of the Holy Spirit. And it's, you know, it's like when you buy a car. A lot of times, you know, dealerships will say, hey, you got a free tank of gas with this thing. Well, it'd be wonderful, you know, that never ran out you know it'd be wonderful wouldn't it well that's what the Holy Spirit is with us we just never get it empty it's just we we're the throttle so to speak of how the Holy Spirit works in our lives and this is something that this talked about and as I was like I say as I was going through here uh, I kind of I look back for grieving the Holy Spirit you know and some equate this so that they're they mean both the same things well they kind of do and they kind of don't. Or at least that's what I was understanding with it. So, and, and the verse that I was looking at was Ephesians uh, 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 chapter 4, verse 30. And it says, you know, in, in part, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. Because it says that we're sealed. And the sealed part is uh, there's another study. But how does a person grieve or quench the Holy Spirit? And it's kind of, when you think about quenching, well, we think of quenching your thirst, you know, subside that, that thirsty feeling. Um, you can quench metal when you're metal working so that it gets a certain amount of toughness and hardness to it. You use different components to quench it or to cool it down to a specific point so that that metal is, is, is ideally hard. You can quench 
and here the apostle paul's talking about a fire of quenching a fire well normally when you think of a fire you don't quench it you stoke it you you kindle fire you add wood to it well here he's talking about quenching it as in stopping the ability of it or preventing the ability of it uh, mark 9:44 says where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched talking about hell that fire cannot be put out and there are some metals when they get to fire you cannot put them out with normal solutions you have to actually take away all the oxygen around it to get rid of it phosphorus is, is one there's some other metals that you can once they start burning forget it they're, they're just going to keep going until they eventually run out of something that's going to allow that heat to keep going it's going to go away the same with a fire if if a fire and, and most of us that live here in the Pacific Northwest we grew up with uh, <clears throat> wood heat at least some of us do a lot of us like that natural gas now or electric heat but you know fires if you let them run overnight and you didn't put the stove in the right condition you're gonna wake up with just cold ashes in the morning but if you did it right there's gonna be some coals in there and they're gonna be nice and it's going to have not a lot of heat, but you go in there and you poke it a little bit and you throw some kindling on it and you start it back up and you stoke it and you get it going back together. But like Smokey the Bear says, you know, put out the campfires, you use water, you stir it around, and if it's not cold, you put some more water on it. Well, the fire is essentially out. And if you go up in the up, up, up around uh, the Detroit area, the fires that we had this summer, we had some fires that were burning underground. The root systems up there were catching fire. And the only way they were gonna go out was the snow was gonna smother the, the oxygen because they had plenty of fuel to work on. There's, there's lots of uh, organic debris underneath there that are burning. It's very dangerous to go around there. But it, it takes a lot of rain, a lot of water to put that fire out. Well, here the Apostle Paul is talking about the Holy Spirit and the fire that the Holy Spirit can do in our lives. You know, you can talk about people, boy, he's on fire for the Lord. Or, oh, this doesn't seem to have much fire and just doesn't seem as energized as normal. Well, the Holy Spirit in our lives is really like a fire. And that's what the Apostle Paul's talking about here. And, 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 and identifying it that there's some similarities in the gift that's given because in second timothy 1 6 says wherefore i put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of god talking about the holy spirit which is in thee by putting on of my hands a lot of the gifts were given by the apostles laying on of hands i think it's acts 4 uh, uh, where the apostle paul talked about laying on of hands and, and the gifts given in that manner and many many people were given gifts well here people were given gifts and from what can be surmised from here is that people may have had the gift but they were not allowing that Holy Spirit to work in their lives they were quenching it or holding it back and maybe being selfish because we had people one that didn't work we've identified some of them and we're going to look at that a little bit more in, in 2nd Thessalonians but there were people that were lazy there were some that we're going to see here that despised the teachings like I'm just as good as him why should, why should I listen to that guy or oh come on he doesn't say that and we're going to look at that a little bit more but 
it's a the gift that's given to the believer to be used not to be wasted not to be well okay I'm saved and just sit down and read your Bible once in a while you go to church when you feel like it and, and that's all the more you do until you die what's God going to do with you what's the Holy Spirit done in that person's life and can you imagine what the Holy Spirit is thinking during this whole time because Ephesians 4.30 says grieve not the Holy Spirit and grieving when we, when we think about grieving well it's sadness it's, it's you know a hurt feeling you know we, we grieve we grieve over somebody that died we grieve over somebody maybe that got injured maybe we grieve over somebody for a situation that they're in we feel sad for them or we have empathy that's something when we think about that when you when you compare quenching and grieving and and it says um in verse 29 of ephesians 4 says let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths and in fact let's turn over there because we're going to look at some of these verses let's go back to ephesians and it's it's nice to compare this because when, when we look at all this it says no let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth but that which is good to use of edifying that it may minister grace unto the hearers well that's the holy spirit is doing but he can't do it if you're quenching it or holding it back as as they were attempting to do in first thessalonians but here the people they have they have a problem an anger issue they're having sin in their lives that are that the Holy Spirit is grieved over them. And the Holy Spirit, when somebody's not walking with the Lord as they should, well, is the Holy Spirit going to work in their life as much as it could? Well, they're, they're kind of holding it back because of sin. But I believe that over in, in, in 1 Thessalonians, these people have the gift, but they're not willing to share it. It's, it's kind of like in the, the, the bulletin, the little blurb off to the side talks about witnessing well each one of us is we're commanded to witness we're commanded to go out and spread the gospel that's what was happening with the apostles here the church that's how the church was spreading that's how the word was being taught all of Paul's letters later on all brought together canonized and we have them now in the in in, in our King James Bible but at one time they weren't there they were just letters you know paper sent out to the churches stamped sent out by courier or internet or whatever they had back then <laughs> the apostle paul had his messengers that were sending them out properly can you imagine if the internet was back then oh it's on the internet huh i believe everything is well, we'll get to that later <laughs> but you know here the 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 gift that's given the holy spirit it's there and quenching it we can hold it back of, of ourselves through just not sharing it, which is sin, when you think about that. Or I'm angry about something. I got something in my life, and we're going to look through there. The, the idea of the sins in there is, is uh, in Ephesians 4, uh, 17 to 19, talks about, uh, you know, this I say therefore and testify the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. So he's saying your actions are like these other people, like what you used to be. It's their walk. 
and he's identifying they're, you're living like unbelievers, yet you're saved. We have that going on today, don't we? We have people that are saved, but you never know that by their actions. They go to church when they think about it or feel like it. I mean, not when they think about it, but when they feel like it. Um, churches have special services. You know, uh, well, when I was down in California, the church that we attended, um, it was right next to a golf course. And it was pretty impressive. We uh, sitting in church, all of a sudden I heard this clickety, 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 click. I looked out and guys were walking up on the patio of the church with their golf carts, parked their golf carts in their little tag-along bags, they come walking in the church with their golf. Sit down, listen to the sermon, get up, clickety, clickety, click, out the door they go, go play their golf. <laughs> okay, well, at least they came to church. <laughs> um, others, you know, it's, it's like uh, they, they have a special service on Saturday night so that the guys can go fishing on Sunday morning. Or um, some places when deer season first opens up, they have a special service for the deer season, the deer hunters. You know, because they're not going to be there for whatever, or the elk hunters, they go out, you know, for a week in the, in the wilderness. Some churches, ages ago, when we lived on the East Coast, little villages, they had their special services for the fishermen as they went out to sea. But they had service for them because they knew that if they were home, they were going to be in church. But their walk, a lot of times, these people lived like the world. And like I say, today, we have a lot of Christians that live like the world. Their dress is just like the world. Their actions are just like the world. You'll, you can go down to a restaurant or, well, if you decide to go into a bar to check it out, I don't, wouldn't, but there might be that, hey, you said you were a Christian. What are you doing drinking here? God probably say, well, what are you doing in here? The, uh, that other verse come a little bit later about abstaining from all appearances of evil. Um, but some people, you wouldn't know them from the world. And that's so sad. And that's what was happening to a lot of these people in, in, in Ephesians. Even in Corinthians, we, we talked about that. We, we see people, the, the, they're lying. Verse 25 says, Wherefore put away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. And it's sad that well, we have Christians that, oh, he really wasn't lying, he was just embellishing. Or, you know, he, he just kind of stretched the truth a little bit. I mean, I caught a fish that big. <laughs> you know or did you see that deer that guy shot you know it had lots of antlers <laughs> you know <laughs> embellishing things and it's good to tell fun to tell stories but not to the point that was going to ruin some <laughs> got to have a good storyteller I mean there's some people that can take the scriptures and they can put them into a great story and just capture your attention and then, some of them are good enough, they can actually bring a salvation message out of it, present the gospel. There are others that just give you a story left and right, and next thing you know, it's like, okay, that was a good story. What, now apply it to my life. You know, The Apostle Paul could apply all these things to their lives, and that, and that was what was sad. Um, some of them, verse 29 of here, it says, let no corrupt communications. They were using bad language. I meant people that say that they're a Christian and next minute you know this stream of explicatives comes out four letter words you just kind of like 
okay, well, that's kind of let me know where he stands. I've had people do that and then turn around and go, I'm sorry for that. I said, well, okay, don't let it happen again. Turn around, sure enough, it happens again. Their lives may not have been impacted enough to realize that that's not how it should be. I know when I was first saved, I had to leave, be transferred my command, not forced to command, but a time came along for me to get out of that environment for my language to change because I was just steeped in it. And it didn't really dawn on me at the point when I left and I went to a different command, a short command, I got asked questions like, you don't act like a regular sub-sailor. I said, well, what do you mean? He said, well, <clears throat> you don't swear like a sub-sailor does. I went, really? <laughs> and how many of you know? Well, and I told him, thank you for that. And I, I think I mentioned I ran into a, a, a guy that I served with 30 years ago that I met. And he's now a Christian. He's accepted Christ. Because he mentioned that it was my testimony. And, and I'm thankful that the Lord cleaned things up in my life. When I was at my first command, the Holy Spirit was being quenched. I had those gifts there. I could witness or try to. But my testimony was hurting it. Well, in Ephesians, that was what was happening. And I'm sure that was what was happening in, in, in Thessalonians, in Thessalonica. Verse 31 says, Let now all bitterness and wrath and anger, clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Well, <clears throat> How many on your Facebook page? <laughs> Take a look at those copies that you put in there. Read them carefully before you copy them again. Is the communication one that you would like to be known for? I'm careful, or I'm trying to be careful, and I know sometimes they slip. An article you might have read sounded really good until you really read it very closely that you want to share might not have been the communication you wanted to, the idea might have been what you wanted to relay. Well, if it is, then make it yours. Make your words be proper going forward. Um, verse 32, and be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as, Christ, uh, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Forgiveness. Humans are really bad about that. We have a hard time properly forgiving. We hold grudges, whether we like it or not. And it's danger. And, and when you look in the uh, first few verses of, of Ephesians 5, it talks about sexual immorality. It was prevalent because of the, the pagan religions. Well, it's just, you know, what they lived around. And how do you expect them to change with that? Well, the Holy Spirit does the changing in us. Because when we think seriously about what's going on in there, that the, the Holy Spirit is grieved because of our actions. But in reality, we're to speak the truth when things come up. We shouldn't be lying. We shouldn't sin when we get angry. The anger that we have, we need to look at, why am I angry about this? Can I be upset because of this? Well, we should be angry on, about murdering children. That's something that we can be real angry about. But not to the point that we're going to blow up an abortion clinic or that we're going to go in and beat the doctor up, although some people would like to do that. Fortunately, the Lord is using some babies to change their, the doctor's lives. Stories of 
the doctor was in to do the extraction and the forcep or whatever they were using kept getting pushed aside. I don't know if it's true or not, but this doctor says something was not letting me abort this baby. He left. He, he dropped everything and delivered the baby and realized that it was God talking to him. He changed his life. Hard work, verse 28 tells us, you know, that working with our hands. That's what wasn't happening over in, in, in uh, 1 Thessalonians. We're to encourage, you know, edifying. That's, that's really what we're here for. We're to share the gospel with the world. We're to be witnessing. We're to be telling others about the Lord. We're to be edifying others. And, and, and I'm thankful for folks here that, that do share with each other. You know, each and every one that gets a chance to, to teach <clears throat> edifies. And, and those nuggets of gold that come out that it's obvious, you know, when I, when I see that, that that person is letting the Holy Spirit guide and direct their lives and, and, and let them know. You know, like I said, when we go back over here to, to 1 Thessalonians, there's similarities in here, but the, the grieving side is when we hurt the Holy Spirit or we sadden him by our actions. The quenching side is where we're holding back the, the, the Holy Spirit, which is sin, by not willing to share. Or maybe here, like in verse 19, we're getting, or in, in verse 20, we'll, we'll be looking at shortly, is the despising. Like, well, you know, when he, every time he talks about that, it really upset me when he gets into that area. Thankfully, none of that's happened here. It might internally go, wow, why did he have to talk about that? And realize that as it's being talked about here out this direction, it's coming back the same way. Pastor said that many times. I think Brother Krista and Brother Brian and myself, each one of us, we're, you know, try to get my steel-toed shoes on here so it doesn't hurt so much when I end up having my toes stepped on because of what Scripture says that I'm supposed to be doing or how we're supposed to be doing. You know, God's desire is for the believer in Christ to live differently. And once we have the Holy Spirit in our lives, we should be completely different. But we should be willing to share the gospel. And there's someone who says, well, I'm, I'm, I'm timid. I I'm just aren't able to do You know what? That's not an excuse. Moses tried it. God says, well, you got your brother Aaron to talk for you. And shortly afterward, it wasn't Aaron talking. It was Moses speaking. Because I think he realized, okay, God, you're not going to accept my, the way I talk. The Apostle Paul, they said he was a, you know, probably not a nice man to look upon. You know, if I'd been beat up, shipwrecked, and whipped, and stuff like that, I probably wouldn't be a very nice-looking person either. He's probably very rough in, his, in, in his, his appearance. He may not have been as eloquent as uh, maybe, say, Apollos. I can just, you know, think with the name of Apollos, this guy's walking in with a nice, crisp suit, you know, that's white with a thingy in his pocket and compared to Paul who's probably walking in with you know, bibbed overalls maybe and, a, and, a, and an apron just getting finished putting together a, a tent outside and he's probably knocking the dust and the threads off from him where the, the other guy's a little more I, I don't know. It may have been because they, they, they talked about that. But the word's still the same. 
I don't care whether the guy is, is crippled and, and can barely see over the microphone or if, or if he has to take his sermon and he reads like this that they say Jonathan Edwards did. One, I understand he had really bad eyesight. And two, he, he said, I'm going to let the Holy Spirit work on these people. I don't want me. I don't want my actions to be what tells them. I just want to be the tool. And I, th and I think each one that's up here, we want to be the tool that's used of God to properly present the word the way it should be presented. And we want, there's a little note that I found here, it says, causing the Holy Spirit to be less effective in our lives. That's, that's what we want to avoid. Actions by one person can cause a ripple effect among the congregation. Can you imagine one person affecting an entire group of people? Well, that may have been what was happening here in, in, in uh, Thessalonica. The Apostle Paul was concerned about. There are a few people here that, that have got a problem, and they're not willing to share it. Maybe he asked them, hey, would you be willing to teach this lesson? Oh, I can't be doing that. And he's like, but, but you're able to, you, you can do that. I don't want to do that. And, and just walk around with that attitude. And, it, and it's not one to be there. Quenching or holding back the Holy Spirit's active movement can cause a ripple effect. Blessings may be lost. Can you imagine the reason that some churches aren't as effective as they should be is because one person? You know, they say a revival starts with one person. Fires start from just a spark. The forest fires that we had this last year, many of those fires started from a spark because they, they got transferred over and it fell into material that was just ripe to start a fire. Well, some hearts are ready for that Holy Spirit to be rekindled in our lives, to be that maybe that extra little spark or maybe that little prod with the poker to, to shift some of the coals around underneath the, the wood to get us started is what's needed. Maybe we need that. And, and, and as a result, we're not smothering the fire. We're not smothering the Holy Spirit, but we're allowing the Holy Spirit to, to work through us like, it, like we should be. That's the Apostle Paul wants in our lives. You know, and the sad part is, is if somebody's quenching the Holy Spirit or grieving the Holy Spirit, It'll lead to verse 20, which we'll get to next week. <laughs> Take a little longer than I thought. But it, it could lead us to questioning. And I think that's what's happening when you talk about despise not prophesying. Men were given those gifts back then. You know, the, we think of John on, on the island of Patmos being able to see those visions and seeing him in what he understood. I can only imagine what, what he saw. There are people that have tried to portray what it would be like, like in the Left Behind series that they made into movies or, or thoughts like that. Well, it could be this, it could be that. But despise not the prophesying. People call into question the Old Testament. You know, and, and as we, we, we think about those, if we're grieving the Holy Spirit, quenching the Holy Spirit, it's going to cause people to start questioning the scriptures and, and, and what it's teaching. It leads to a variety of things. And, and we'll look a little deeper into that 
next week. But it's so important that we can ask that question. Am I grieving the Holy Spirit? Or am I quenching it? What do I need to do to make sure that I'm not doing that? And when I have a chance talking with people here, I don't think he's being grieved. I think he's actually being stoked because there is very good, there's tender hearts. There's the right, there, there's the right fuel because the fuel's being taught. It's how we receive it. Are we using it in our lives for us to be a, a better steward, to be the right instrument? Even the, the best made instrument doesn't work real well in the hands of a, somebody that doesn't understand it. Something to think about. You know, and I'm thankful that the master is guiding and directing us with his hands and ends up making each one of us a fine-tuned instrument rather than one that, oh, I've got to knock the dust off that person. or oh, They need a little bit more scraping to clean it up and get some rust off from it. But, you know, is our life, does our life need to be rekindled? I think each week we need that. Each day we need that kindling. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you again. Thank you for the truth that we read into your word. Father, the understanding that you give to each and every one of us that brings us along as we allow, allow it in our lives. Father, I do pray that we just sell ourselves out completely to you. That we are the vessel to be used by you. Even though we have holes, we have cracks. We may not be as polished as we should be. But Father, we want to be used. And to be used as you would see fit. To make us that vessel to be used for what your will is for each and every one of us. And Father, I thank you now for all of this. And we do ask it in Jesus' precious name. Amen.